We're talking today on FoxCast with partner Aparna Nemlakar in Pittsburgh. Our topic is based on her recent article, co-authored with Dr. Jin Zhu of Fox's Princeton office, entitled, Key Considerations for Your Life Sciences IP Strategy. Aparna is a registered patent attorney with more than a decade of experience as both inside and outside counsel. She provides strategic counseling on creation and management of robust, value-driven intellectual property portfolios. Trained in microbiology and human genetics, Aparna assists clients in the pharmaceutical, biologic, nutraceutical, cosmetic, medical device, and other health and life sciences fields. Aparna, good morning. Good morning. Aparna, as you look over the wide universe of any company's life sciences portfolio, haven't you found that a well-integrated strategy is just so critical to the ability to secure investments, uh, form strategic partnerships, and ultimately achieve uh, sales success. Absolutely. Patent protection, regulatory exclusivity, and product lifecycle management should be at the core of any company's life science development strategy. In developing the strategy, it's important to consider the four essentials, as well as relevant case law. With appropriate consideration of what might come up during an IP audit or third-party due diligence, a company can avoid unexpected delays or even derailment of its otherwise well-laid plans. And what are those uh, four essentials? The essentials are patent prosecution and strategy, Mm -hmm. rights and ownership, the interplay between regulatory exclusivity and patents, and lastly, freedom to operate, and the assessment of competitors. So let's start then, Aparna, with uh, patent prosecution and strategy. Please uh, tell our listeners more. As a company begins to grow, it's prudent to conduct an internal IP audit to objectively assess strategy and measure progress towards its end game. Since IP audits will become commonplace during later financing uh, negotiations with others, mm-hmm. this initial exercise will help familiarize staff and the management team with the IP due diligence process while also identifying potential concerns. If issues are identified, they will be protected by attorney-client privilege and can be addressed thoughtfully and strategically without impacting external perceptions of the company. So, Aparna, where does a company even start? By identifying the company's core intellectual property filings and assets, as well as fully vetting their strengths and weaknesses. Ancillary patent families, such as those covering alternative indications, formulations, and methods of manufacture, should also be analyzed to make sure they cover what competitors would reasonably develop. Let's move on to rights and ownership. The company should be able to articulate ownership or other rights it has in its patent portfolio. For example, it should ensure that all employees have executed employment agreements which contain the clause, I hereby assign, that's present tense, I hereby assign all right, title, and interest in all inventions while employed by company. Hmm. The inventors should have executed appropriate assignments Whose, and those assignments should be recorded with the appropriate bodies in a timely manner. And the chain of title should be clean, including any name or entity changes. Uh, Aparna, what else? For licensed assets, the company should know what rights uh, it has been given and whether those rights are exclusive. 
Fully understanding the impact of any field of use restrictions within a license is also critical, such as, uh, so as certain products can fall outside of a company's field of use and therefore outside of its ability to enforce the license patents and restrict competition. Aparna, can you elaborate on the interplay between regulatory exclusivity and patents? Patent and regulatory exclusivity should be considered together as they provide the most value and protection to a life science product. Hmm. Simply identifying whether a key, when a key uh, patent expires is not sufficient because regulatory exclusivity could possibly extend the company's ability to keep competitors off the market or in certain situations allow competitors to speed up entry. Different types of regulatory exclusivity may have significant limitations that enable a third party to enter the market. For drug products, the timing of marketing and data exclusivity can be critical. In fact, many products have had strong commercial success wholly independent of their patent protection. Hmm. So why, Aparna, is, um, why is understanding the regulatory pathway so important for a company's patent portfolio? Understanding the approval pathway of a company's products can illuminate the types of workarounds that generics or biosimilars might use to do that. Understanding when a potential competitor could enter the market and the effect of such an entry on the sales of a company's product is vital to third-party investors or collaborators. Mm. Scoping out avenues of entry for a generic or biosimilar often can illuminate strategies on how to erect barriers to such entry in a company's patent strategy. Aparna, how important are the issues of freedom to operate and assessment of competitors. As a company nears completion of its clinical development, it's imperative to confirm that it does in fact have the right to commercialize the product without infringing the rights of others. Such a freedom to operate analysis will identify whether a par any third party has a patent right that could dominate or cover the use, manufacture, or sale of the company's product or components thereof. Hmm. The company's IP counsel should be consulted regarding any relevant patents to determine whether an opinion such as a non-infringement or invalidity is required. When asked during due diligence whether there are any freedom to operate considerations, the company should also consider identifying patents it licenses, if applicable to the product in question, because absent the license, the licensor would presumably be able to interfere with the product development. Aparna, can you cite examples of the latest case law that a company should consider as it evaluates its patent portfolio? This is so important because case law is always evolving. Keeping current can deter help determine whether it's prudent to shift uh, prosecution strategy or assert certain rights. For example, in the case of Helsin Healthcare v. Tapa Pharmaceuticals, the U.S. Supreme Court held that secret sales, such as sale, a sale or offer for sale to a third party that's obligated to keep the invention confidential, qualifies as prior art. Hmm. In the recent uh, Larry Junker v. Medical Components, the Federal Circuit found that a letter including pricing information from a, in, uh, an infringer to a third party was an offer for sale, even though the letter was from a in, patent infringer and in violation of a non-disclosure agreement. Hmm. 
This case serves as another reminder that a non-disclosure agreement does not protect against the on-sale bar to patentability. Uh, and Aparno, what about recent regulatory amendments uh, that may potentially pose an issue? In 2015, an amendment was made to the U.S. PTO rules governing what's called an RCE, or Request for Continued Examination. The amendment stated that an RCE is not allowed in national stage applications where all statutory requirements uh, are not fulfilled. The amendment indicates that national stage applications do not comply with all statutory requirements for international applications entering the U.S. national stage until inventor declarations are filed, even though the the USPTO specifically allows for later filing of inventor declarations. Hmm. Despite this amendment, the USPTO has only recently decided to implement the change in procedure by sending out notices of abandonment in U.S. national stage applications where an RCE was filed before inventor declarations. So companies facing this issue should consider filing a petition to revive the unintentionally abandoned application along with the appropriate fee and the inventor declarations, even if the the patent has already issued. And that's not all. No, I can, I can provide more detail mm-hmm. to any of our listeners who may want it, but some hot topics in recent years involve patent eligibility as well as enablement and written description. Uh, Pharmaceutical and biotech inventions have faced heightened scrutiny, especially for claims with broad functional language where predictability and guidance fall short. Hmm. Aparna, are there any final words, uh, comments, observations you'd like to include today? The company should take a look at its patent portfolio on a global level. Knowledge of foreign patent and regulatory laws is important to enable a company to identify potential problems in its IP assets and further strengthen the protection around its product. Hmm. A company should also audit its design patent, trade secret, copyright, trademark, and domain name portfolios as applicable to form an overarching strategy that's aligned with product development and anticipated offerings. Lastly, while an internal audit can help a company prepare for third-party due diligence and make course corrections, patent holders may not be able to adequately address everything before a deal. Still, understanding the nature of the problem will ensure that the company is not blindsided. Advanced warning also gives the company the chance to proactively prepare some answers to those kinds of questions. Hmm. Well, unfortunately, Aparna, we are about out of time for today. There's just so much more we could cover. Aparna, thank you for your time and your insights. Listeners, to confidentially discuss your company's life sciences intellectual property strategy or to receive a copy of her recent article with more detail, please contact Aparna Nemlakar at 412-391-6423 or by email at anemlekar at foxrothchild.com. That's A-N-E-M-L-E-K-A-R at foxrothchild.com. Fox Rothschild LLP is a national law firm with 950 attorneys in 28 offices coast to coast. Visit us on the web at www.foxrothchild.com.